G'day, g'day! Welcome to Game Day with Gabe. I'm your host, Gabe the Babe, and you're about to get an insight to the college football world. What's up, Gooks fans? Welcome back to Game Day with Gabe, episode 31. And this week, I'm going to be previewing Week 1 games. It's here, baby. We're three days away from the first college football games, official games. Notre Dame and USC played already, but those are preseason, basically. They're playing not great opponents, week zero. Still counts on their record, though. I'll be looking at uh, USC and Notre Dame's week zero games, how they went. I'll be looking at BYU's depth chart that was released today. Their final depth chart with starters for every position on their roster. And I'll be looking at their X-Factors. And some more stuff about college football bets. So, to get started, I'm going to talk about USC and Notre Dame's blowout wins. Week 0, Notre Dame and Navy played in Ireland, in Dublin. And that's the Fighting Irish's home. The, the Ireland, the Fighting Irish. They obviously won, 42-3. to What a blowout win. USC won 58 to 26 or 56 to 28 sorry and it was a blowout win as well they were playing at home just at the Coliseum in USC Notre Dame is ranked 13th USC is ranked 6th and they both dominated their games not much to say there Caleb Williams probably came out in the third or fourth quarter after throwing for a bajillion touchdowns I mean, he scrambled and got a 76-yard touchdown pass on a fumbled snap, and it was crazy. The, the amount of poise he has is undeniable. He's got it. No wonder he won the Heisman last year. I think USC is going to be a great team this year. Notre Dame absolutely destroyed Navy. They figured out how to play good defense on them. Well, not much to say about Week 0 besides blowout wins for them. Now we get to the good games. In the top 25, the schedule goes on Thursday, August 31st. That's in three days, Florida at number 14, Utah. That'll be on 6 p.m. ESPN Mountain Time. And Utah is favored by 6.5 as to spread. I'll explain what the spread is later, but you'll hear me talking about it this episode. It's this thing that Vegas bettors do to get people to bet. Anyways, Utah's favored. I would agree, so if Cam Rising and Brent Cuthy play, then I think Utah is going to win. It's going to be a good game anyway. Not every day you get Florida traveling to Salt Lake City. Should bring a lot of attention to the Utah market. We also have some other good games, like on Sunday, September 3rd, number 5, LSU versus number 8, Florida State. The Camping World kickoff played in Orlando. These two, Florida um, from Tallahassee and... Um, Louisiana State from Baton Rouge are going to face off in Orlando. It should be a great game. Number 5 versus number 8. Again, this is preseason rankings, so it doesn't matter that much. But this matchup could determine who makes it in the playoff later this year if both are in contention. So, it's important. Every game counts. All the games Saturday are pretty easy. Uh, no big, big names playing each other. Like, Michigan plays East Carolina. Uh, 
Georgia plays UT Martin. Let's see. Alabama is going to play MTSU. So, no big games Saturday, except for BYU, Sam Houston State. That's at 8.15 on FS1. So, if you're going to check out any game, at least check out BYU's game on Saturday night. Should be a really good one. Keaton Slovis' first game is a BYU Cougar, and we unveiled the uniform for this game. Go check it out. So, there's some good games coming up in Week 1. I'm really excited to see how it plays out. And I'll share my picks with the spread later this episode. For now, I'm going to move to talking about BYU's offensive line depth chart and how I think it's going to go. All right, I reckon Kingsley Sumatea is going to be the starter at left tackle all year if he doesn't get injured. The guy is an athletic freak. He's six foot seven, three hundred something pounds. And if you go up against him in a one v one, he'll probably beat you. He did not allow a single sack last year from his side, which is a great stat. And people are saying that he could go in the NFL first round. He's got that kind of hype coming. So a left tackle, we're set. Right guard. We got, um, not right guard, sorry, left guard. We have Waylon Lapahoa. I think he'll be good. Him and Ian Fitzgerald are in a battle right now for the starting left guard position. I think that he will win and become a starting left guard and should help um, protect the quarterback. In center, I think Paul Maele, a transfer from Utah State, has played center not Utah State, sorry, Utah University from the Utes. And he's played center for a full year last year, so he's got experience playing Power 5 opponents. I think he brings a lot of experience, and he'll be a great center with Keaton Slovis. Keaton Slovis also played Power 5 opponents last year too, being at Pittsburgh, which is great. It should really help our transition. At right guard, I think we got Connor Pay playing right guard. He can be an alternate for a center if something happens to Paul, but I think Connor Pay's a good get for right guard. And at right tackle, we got a beast, six foot eight, three hundred and thirty pound Caleb Etn. What a beast! Uh, he's a transfer from Oklahoma State. He's come in, and I think he'll do a solid job protecting our quarterback. So our offensive line looks pretty set. From our scouting reports at BYU, from our offensive um, scouter, he said that the offensive line has looked amazing and that he has no major concerns and that we're set and we're ready to go for Power 5 play. And he thinks we're going to do a great job. And the offensive line is the most important job on the field. Obviously, the quarterback would be the number one. But together, if the offensive line can protect, cannot protect the quarterback, then he's going to get sacked every play, and they won't know how to do anything. So, basically, if you have a good offensive line, then you're going to do well that year. And I think that BYU has a great offensive line. Moving on to wide receiver. At wide receiver, we have Chase Roberts, Keanu Hill, and Cody Epps. Backing them up, we have Darius Lassiter, Keelan Marion, and I reckon we have Kingston Parker. Those six guys are guys. We've got great depth of wide receiver. The 
um, scouters have raved about how good our wide receivers are, how good our depth is. We don't have any um, standouts, per se, like a Puka Nikua. We, we will definitely miss a Puka-type playmaker who you can give the ball to, and he'll get yards every single down. So we'll definitely miss a playmaker like that. But we have great depth, so when injuries happen, which they will, we'll be ready. And I think that we'll outlast many teams in the Big 12 because of this depth we have. So Chase Roberts is our guy, number two. I think he'll be our go-to wide receiver on most plays. But Keanu Hill, also number one, and Cody Epps, number zero. So they go zero, one, and two. Cody Epps is our speedster and our route runner with good hands who makes big plays. Chase Roberts is our reliable. He's our good route runner with amazing hands. And big time, tall guy, um, red zone target type. And Keanu Hill is just a reliable go out there. He puts in the hard work and uh, runs really good routes, has strong hands. He's also very fast too. So I think our we're set at wide receiver. Behind them, we have Darius Lassiter, a transfer from Central Michigan. He is six foot six, and he's got the best hands for a wide receiver on the BYU team. So definitely a red zone target. And Keelan Marion, he is a five foot eleven transfer from UConn, and he's a speedster. He's keeping up with Cody Epps in their races. Him and Cody Epps are gonna be the big play threats, deep threats. I think in the Big 12, a lot of teams give up big plays, and I think BYU will have many big plays to kill on Marion and Cody Epps because they can outrun the whole defense. So I'm really excited to see how the wide receivers do. With our, off- our offensive line and wide receivers and quarterback, we have an amazing team. All we need to top it off is a solid tight end, just like Isaac Rex. I think if Isaac Rex can return to his healthy form and 2020 form, where he was unstoppable in the red zone. I think we have one of the best offenses in the country. I think that Isaac Rex is one of our X factors this year, and if he's healthy and he's um, ready to go, ready to block, ready to make plays, own the middle of the field, um, throw some little guys down on running plays, I think that we'll seriously have a legitimate offense competing for seven, eight wins in the Big 12. Now, our defense needs to back it up so that our offense can get on the field. But if we can do that all successfully and run smoothly with our chemistry that we have, I think we'll have a great first year in the Big 12. We're playing tough opponents, but seven or eight wins, probably six or seven wins. Anything higher than seven wins would be a special year because it means you're having to beat either Oklahoma, Texas, TCU, Texas Tech, or... Uh, uh, Arkansas, uh, big time names, and any one of those games for a win would be amazing for our program. So things are looking great. At place kicker, the guy who kicks our field goals, oh man, BYU learned that lesson last year. <laughs> you need a good kicker. Jake the Make was a sometimes make last year, and he missed some big time field goals, particularly in a game against Baylor where he had two chances to kick the game-winning field goal, first at the end of regulation, and then at the end of first overtime. He missed both of them. And then BYU won by its defense. 
so we ended up winning that game, but we learned that we needed a kicker, and he was never the same from his 2020 form, where he went almost perfect, I think he went perfect, from field goals in 2020. It was an amazing year. He just needs, uh, he's going to have a great career in the NFL. Our uh, special teams coordinator, Kelly Papainga, I think he knows what he's doing at place kicker. He has chosen Will Farron as our place kicker, just released on the depth chart today. I'm confident with that. Will Farron's a transfer from Boise State, and he won the starting job over Matthias Dunn, a walk-on. So our kicking position, look, I'm a little concerned about it because both of them were struggling a bit during camp, but... I don't want to go talking high about every position on the BYU group because then it'd feel like we'd have a perfect team. We don't have a perfect team. This is one of our concerns for BYU. But even when we have concerns, I think that we have a solid kicker in uh, Will Fern. So if we don't ask him to do anything crazy like 50-yard field goals, we'll try a couple of those all year. But I'm not sure we're going to rely on him consistently, just like we did with Jake Oldroyd. We might go for it instead, or we might punt it, but we'll probably won't use the kicker as much as we did last year, based on what I've heard. Jake Oldroyd was definitely nice to have as an automatic three points, usually an automatic three points with Jake the make. So I think we're going to have a reliable kicker. If we kick within 40 yards, I think he'll be a good bet to make our kicks. So I'm happy with the place kicker spot. It's a little concern, but it's all right. All right, BYU's X-Factors that I think that, depending on how they do this year, will determine the success of the football team. I think our X-Factors are number one, Isaac Rex, which I've already mentioned before. Number two, Kingsley Suomatea. I think Kingsley Suomatea is the leader of the offensive line. He's been here a year and he knows the system just as well as anybody on the O-line. And I think that he'll be a leader at left tackle. It's the most important position on the offensive line, and having a good offensive line creates runs, protects the quarterback, and allows big plays, which you need in the Big 12. When you're playing Power 5 teams, King Sumatea is going to step up. If he can stay healthy, he will be an X-factor, and it will help us a lot. Another X-factor is the obvious, Keaton Slovis, our quarterback. The decision-making that a quarterback has to do every game is immense. It's immaculate. It's a lot. And he has to decide, do we run or throw the ball? What is the defense throwing at us? You know, how do we want to attack them? What's their weaknesses? What plays are working for us and what are not? How can I help our team do better? What can I do to improve as myself? Uh, the quarterback makes all the decisions, so many each game, mid-game, um, before game, and so many. And when you have a two-minute drill with the offense driving down the field, you got to make quick decisions, quick decisions. And I think Keaton Slovis is a capable quarterback. Hopefully, he returns to his USC form that he was as a freshman. He was great then. Another X factor is Ben Bywater. He is the middle linebacker on the defense and the leading tackler on BYU the past two years. He's had 200 tackles. Four tackles for a loss last year, one sack, and a pick six. So his stats measure up, but not only his stats are important, his leadership as the middle linebacker. So the middle linebacker calls out um, the formation of the offense, 
he calls out sometimes what they're going to do that play. Do they want to blitz? Um, well, the defensive coordinator, Jay Hill, calls blitzes and such, but he carries them out. He watches the quarterback's eyes and watches the offensive line and tells his teammates what he thinks they're going to do. So, he's in another way, he's like the quarterback of the defense, a very important spot. And Ben Bywater, as you guys have seen, he is no joke. He is a great linebacker to have. So I'm grateful that we have Ben Bywater. And finally, Jay Hill is our final X Factor. Yes, a coach. The defensive coordinator. Does he figure things out in the Big 12? Or does he slump and we have another so-so year like we did last year, where we allow third downs every time and they run all over us? So hopefully, Jay Hill figures things out. He figures out how to put pressure on opposing quarterbacks. He figures out how to use our defensive backs in a way that's safe, but also aggressive. He's an aggressive guy. How does he use Tyler Ratty on the defensive line to get to the quarterback and put pressure? How does he use the linebackers? Do they drop back in coverage, or do they rush up and put pressure on the quarterback and blitz? So there's lots of decisions. If Jay Hill can figure out what works best for the BYU defense, then I think we're going to have a seven, maybe even an eight-win season combined with our offense. So things could go really good. On the other hand, let's look at it from uh, a bad point of view. Say the defense completely flops. Jay Hill doesn't know what he's doing. Every time we put pressure on the quarterback, they find a deep man. They destroy us game after game. We get three or four wins this season. Now, this is a reality as crazy as it seems. Keaton Slovis could continue to get worse in games. He could get injured, and we could be on our second or third string quarterback. Our offensive line could get beat up. We could lose a couple starters on defense and on offense. We could have a three or a four win season. That's is completely possible. So, taking that in cons- into consideration, having a seven or an eight win year and getting a bowl game in the Big 12, beating Power 5 teams like Arkansas, like Cincinnati, Texas, Oklahoma, TCU, Texas Tech, big time names. It's going to be an amazing year if we can manage expectations. Get If we get above six wins or six wins, I'm calling it a success for sure. A bowl game, that's what we want. Now, I'm going to read out the BYU depth chart that came out today. I'm so excited about this. It's so fun. I love reading depth charts because you get to see the starters at every position, and I'll read them to you guys so that you guys know what's going on. On offense, we got number 10, Keaton Slovis. Backing him up, we got number 12, Jake Retzloff. Good quarterbacks. Running back. This is interesting. Number 3, Aiden Robbins. Running back 1. No question about that. He's 240 pounds, you guys. He's a beast. Backing him up, we have Deion Smith and true freshman LJ Martin. LJ Martin has surprised a lot of coaches with the way he's attacked the field, the way he reads it, he finds holes. He's got athleticism. He is 6'2", 205 pounds. I think he's going to be a future running back. He could be a next Tyler Algier, Jamal Williams type player. As a true freshman, he's already cracking the top three rotation for a running back. He'll be in it for sure. And Deion Smith, of course. A transfer from Colorado, he's a running back who is good in the passing game. He goes out into the backfield, runs a couple routes, and then catches the ball and goes downfield. Good to use on screen plays and such. So Deion Smith will also be a great addition to have. 
He's fast, you guys. At wide receiver, the three starters are Cody Epps, Keanu Hill, and Chase Roberts, like everyone thought. Backing them up are Parker Kingston or JoJo Phillips, backing Cody Epps up. Backing up Chase Roberts is Darius Lassiter, and Keelan Marion's backing up Keanu Hill. So, basically what I just said before, pretty straightforward. Isaac Rex is our starting tight end. Backing him up, number 99, Matiave Taise. Six foot three, two hundred and fifty-five pounds, and he's a junior. And our third string is number nineteen, Jackson Bowers, six five, two hundred and forty pounds, true freshman. We just got him as a recruit, and he's already cracking the top three. Him and L.J. Martin are gonna have big time careers at BYU if they can stay healthy. I'm excited for the future. At fullback, we have Mason Fakahua. Uh, he's six two, two hundred and forty pounds. And I've already read the offensive line. It's Kingsley Somatea, Waylon Lapahau, Paul Maele, Connor Pay, and Caleb Etienne. At punter on special teams, we have Ryan Rico. He's six foot five and two hundred and thirty thirty-five pounds. A beast with a booming leg. We have uh kickoff Will Farron, transferred from Boise State. He's one hundred and seventy-five pounds and six foot three, whereas Matthias Dunn is more uh more short and chubby, six foot zero and two hundred pounds. Place kicker, which is the same thing. It's also Will Farron. We have Ryan Recco as the holder, long snapper is Austin Riggs, and the returner is Hobbs Nyberg. And we'll see about the kick returner. That'll probably change a bit. We could have LJ Martin, Keelan Marion, Parker Kingston, a few different players. Camden Garrett. Defense. Defensive end starting, this is the lead defensive end position, Tyler Batty, 270, 270 pounds. He's a junior and six foot five. No surprises there. Atunzia Mahe is going to be the starting nose tackle. He's 315 pounds, a redshirt senior. I'm really excited about that. Um, at defensive tackle, we have Jackson Cravens and John Nelson backing him up. Both really good players. And the outside end, also a defensive end. We have Isaiah Bagna, and he'll be a good uh, defensive end, I think. Fits well with Jay Hill's scheme. For our first linebacker, it's called the Sam linebacker on the depth chart. So we have three linebackers. Middle linebacker is called the Mike. The Sam is the one on the right or the left side. The Rover is also one on the right or the left side. So they get creative. The Sam, Mack, and Rover are just three different linebackers. Uh, you know, it's just how BYU gets creative with their names, has has a little fun with their linebackers. AJ Vongjapanna, a transfer from Utah State. I did not pronounce that right, but oh well. Uh, middle linebacker, we have Ben Bywater, 6'3", 235 pounds. And then our Rover is Max Tooley. Wow. Uh, and Emin Hanneman, Chaz Ayu. That position is stacked. Amin Hanneman and Chaz Ayu are very capable players. All three of those guys will probably get playing time this year. I guarantee it. On safety, safety is one of the major concerns for BYU football. Why? Malik Moore is our starter at free safety. He's always been the starter. And our strong safety, Micah Harper, had an ACL injury last week in fall camp that got him out the rest of the year. He's out. He's done. So, we don't have a strong safety anymore. 
And why that hurts us is because Micah Harper was one of our leaders on defense. He was a great tackler, and he was uh, an amazing player, a great guy with great morale on camp. So he'll help out in other ways, but not on the field, unfortunately. Instead, we have Ethan Slade starting at strong safety. He is a um, walk-on, I believe, six foot, 190 pounds. So we'll see how that goes. Hopefully our safety position holds up well enough. And I think our defensive backs will do fine because we got Eddie Haggard at cornerback. 5'10", 190 pounds. Doesn't pop out, but he locks down that side of the field. The side of the field he's on, he'll lock it down. He is a lockdown cornerback. Doesn't let anything by him. Like, you know Sauce Gardner in the NFL playing for the New York Jets? He was a rookie last year, and now he's cracking the top 20 NFL players in the league. And I think that uh, Eddie Heckard has that kind of potential. He's playing for BYU for one year under Jay Hill as defensive coordinator. So he also came from Weber State, just like Jay Hill came from. I think that cornerback position is going to be great. We have also Jacob Robinson at the other position. And Nickelback, this is just a fifth back you can put on the field if you want one. Camden Garrett. So there you go. That's our depth chart. And not many surprises, but there are a lot of freshmen, true freshmen, on that list that uh, people didn't see coming, like LJ Martin and Jackson Bowers, tight end and running back. Those will be our future guys. Is it a good thing we have freshmen on our depth chart? It's good for the future right now, per se. Mm, maybe not so much because we want a win-now scenario, but right now we're not in a win-now scenario, so I think it's good. We have freshmen on there. Now I'm going to take a look at what the Vegas spread is, and I'm going to look more at the college football week one games and make my picks for the spread and there's some good college football coming up you ready let's go byu's five days away from playing in their first college football game this year i'm so ready let's go college football's back and i'm so excited about it college game day's back byu's back tailgating is back the smell of football is in the air and i'm so ready it's been so long and i'm so excited for college football to be back making picks so i'm gonna be picking college pick'em but this time a different twist i'm gonna be picking against the spread now the spread is something that betters in las vegas design to entice people into betting when they bet on games, normally they just bet on winner and loser. Like, take if Tennessee and Arkansas played each other. Uh, let's say people thought Tennessee was better. A lot of people would bet on Tennessee. So, what those bettors do to try and make money, they try and put in a spread. Say they put in 10 points. A 10-point margin, for example. If Tennessee were to win and win by more than 10 points then people who bet on Tennessee would win, and they'd get their money. But if they win, but they won by three points, they did not cover the spread. They only won by three points, and therefore, people who bet on Arkansas would get the money. 
So, it's a 50-50 deal. That's what the Vegas bettors tried to do. If they make a 50-50 deal, they're making money either way. So, the best of the best make money this way, and they make a spread. So, if you have a better team, they're going to make a spread. And, for example, a game that we have is Tennessee versus Virginia. Now, everyone knows Tennessee is a better team than Virginia, so they made the spread really high. Tennessee is favored by 28 and a half. If you were going to bet, then you'd either have to bet on Tennessee winning by at least 28 and a half, which is a tall task because Virginia could easily make it a close game and then you'd lose your money if you bet. So it's a good thing I don't bet and hopefully you don't too because that's how you lose your money. That's how the Vegas uh, bettors use you. But if you're smart about it, you'll just play it for fun. You don't bet any money. You just make picks for fun against the spread. So today, that's what I'll be doing. I'll be making picks against the spread. First up, BYU, Sam Houston State. Now, this isn't on the official college pick The spread is 20 points. Do you think that BYU will win by more than 20 points? Or do you think Sam Houston will either win or lose? And if they win or lose, if they lose by less than 20 points, then betting on Sam Houston works. If BYU wins by more than 20 points, then BYU gets the money. So, basically, that's what it is. I'm going to add a poll so you can uh, go to Spotify and then answer the poll on here. Do you think that BYU is going to win and cover the spread of 20 points? Personally, I don't think we're going to cover the spread of 20 points. I think it'll be a close game. But, anyways, we'll see how it goes out. There's a definite chance BYU wins by more than 20 points. We'll have to see. The anticipation is here. Now, time for a college pick'em. First game, Virginia Cavaliers versus Tennessee Volunteers. As I said, it's a 28.5 spread. I'm picking Tennessee to win and win by more than 28.5 points. Why? Because they have Joe Milton, who's a great quarterback. And I think he'll carry the offense, and they'll have a blowout game. And their offense will explode, and they're going to have a dominant game, and Virginia won't keep up. So I think Tennessee wins and covers the spread. The next game is Colorado at TCU. The spread is 20.5. I don't see TCU winning by more than 20.5. I see them winning, but it's going to be like 17 points at max, not more than 20. I think Colorado wins. and Maybe they don't win. Maybe they lose. I think Colorado actually just wins this game, so I'm betting on them. Boise State at Washington Huskies. The spread is 14 and a half. Look, Washington Huskies are a really good team, but their defense is a little questionable, and I think Boise State has a decent offense enough to cover the spread. So I think Washington wins, but they don't cover. I'm betting on Boise State for this game. You never know what tricks they have up their sleeve. Rice Owls at Texas Longhorns. The spread is 34.5 points. Jeez, this is so hard because I want to bet on Texas so hard. I know they're going to win, but do I know how much they're going to win by? Nope, that's why I don't bet money. I'm going to say Texas. Next one is UMass at Auburn. Mmm... 39.5 points. You're asking if Auburn's going to win. They're going to win by 39.5 points. 
UMass has already had a game this year. They're one and zero. They beat New Mexico State. I think that UMass actually win. Uh, they lose, but they cover the spread. Thirty nine point five points is too much. I think UMass covers a spread in this. Next one: Ohio State Buckeyes at Indiana Hoosiers. The spread is twenty seven point five points. I think Ohio State wins, but Indiana covers, so I'm bidding on Indiana. You see how this is going? It's really fun. Next up is Nevada Wolfpack at USC Trojans. Considering USC had a preseason game against a similar team to Nevada Wolfpack, and they won by 28 points, I think that they can bump up a notch to 7 points, and I'm betting on them to win and cover the spread of 35 points. So, I'm betting on USC for this game. The next one is a spread of 1.5 points. South Carolina Gamecocks at North Carolina Tar Heels. Now, since the spread is only 1.5, I think that North Carolina wins just because I think they're going to win anyway, and they're probably not going to win by less than two points, let's be honest. The normal um, close game loss that you get is a field goal, and that is a win by three points. So even if it's a close game, I think North Carolina wins, and doesn't really matter. I think they cover. Next game is West Virginia at number 7 Penn State Nitty Lions. Since the spread is only 17.5 points, I think that Penn State wins and they barely cover the spread. The final college pick'em spread is number no, neither, neither of them are ranked. It's Coastal Carolina Chanticleers at the UCLA Bruins. The spread is 14.5 points. I'm going to bet on UCLA winning and covering the spread. So, as you can see, I have a good mix of teams winning and covering the spread or opposing teams losing, but losing in a close game. So, that's where it's tricky. I would not recommend betting on these games because it's a 50-50 chance you're going to lose, and those aren't good odds. If you're going to bet, then bet on, like, uh, a game that you just pick a winner. So it's fun to do both of them just because I think you have better luck just picking a winner than you do picking the spread. Um, and it says, how many total points will be scored in Colorado versus TCU? I think it'll be a 48-point game. Now, Las Vegas bettors also make another thing called over-under for a game. You may have heard of it. Not only do they do the spread, but they make an over-under where they say a certain amount of points. And the team's combined total point score at the end of the game. Say it's 35 to 28. Do the math. That's a 63-point game. And Las Vegas betters will say, do you think that these two teams before will score? Let's say they think they'll score 62 points. Do you think they're going to score more or less points than that amount? And you do the math. Uh, You don't know the score yet, so it's kind of a guess and check. Uh, these ones are also just as bad to bet on because you have no clue over or under. And in this case, if it was 62 and uh, they scored 63 and you bet over, which is over 62, you get your money. But if it's under, like it's only 57 points total, then it's under and you lose your money. So that's another over-under thing they like to do. A lot of fun things to pick in college pick em. So there you have it, my picks. Now, you know me. I do Gabe's game at the end 
of my podcast because we're back to college football season, baby. And I think the best games that you ought to check out are the games on Thursday and Sunday, not even Saturday, of course, BYU. But besides them, I say LSU, Florida State, number five versus number eight. Of course, you can't go wrong with that. In a neutral site game in Orlando, Sunday night on ABC, that has that has attention uh, written all over it and good game written all over it too. The last game, the last time these two teams played in a football game was last year, and it was the craziest ending ever. Uh, Florida State had the ball. They were driving down. They were about to score a touchdown and take the lead and solidify the win. But uh, like the one yard line, I think they fumbled and LSU recovered. And there was about a minute left. Florida State was just trying to drain time and get the win. I think they already had the lead by a touchdown. All they needed was points. But no, they fumbled at like the, uh, the LSU five-yard line. Then LSU went all the way down in a minute and scored a touchdown to make it a one-point game. All they needed to do was kick an extra point, and uh, they'd tie the game and it'd go to overtime or go for two. They opted for the extra point, and Florida State blocked it. And since, they won 24-23 to by one single point. It was a crazy game. So I think number five versus number eight, LSU versus Florida State, will be a good game again. My other Gabe's game is Utah versus Florida. Florida traveling to the Salt Lake City. Uh, the Utah Utes, I think that'll be a good game to watch. Thursday, uh, Thursday night at 6 p.m. on ESPN. It's also got the spotlight right on it. So, if Utah has their guys healthy, I think they win. But, if they don't, it'll be a good game. Remember last year, it was a similar ending, how Utah drove all the way down. They were at the Florida 5-yard line and about 20 seconds left. They needed a touchdown to win, and they threw an interception and 4-1. to one. So, these two games had similar backgrounds. They played in Week 1 last year, too, and both of them were amazing games. So these two games have to be Gabe's game, everyone. Well, that's going to wrap up my podcast for today. As always, thank you so much, so much for listening. It really means a lot. And if you enjoyed it so much, I would ask that you share this podcast with a friend and go to Spotify, listen to it there, because I need 100 listeners in the next 60 days. And if you could help me out with this, that would be really amazing, you guys. So if you could do that, then I can start putting in ads and monetizing this podcast. And I can keep it going and keep Game Day with Gabe going and all the hype that surrounds it. All right. See you next time, guys. Go Cougs!